It's a new day and opportunity is in the air. This is Philip with Soul Insights and you are tuned into Good Morning Market, where everyday businesses are empowered to lead their market with the latest in market news, insights, and strategy. Happy Monday or whatever day of the week it is. Hopefully uh, some of y'all are starting your morning off right as you're getting to your desk or driving to the office got some uh, warm beverage or some kind of caffeination source with you and and you're ready for a productive week. So I hope you also had a good weekend. Um, It's crazy to think that there's only uh, two, I believe it is, weeks left uh, in summer break for those of us who have kids and think about the school calendar, but it's coming quick. It's coming gone quick. We're at the tail end. Um, this past weekend was great. You know, good weather. Um, got to attend to the yard and do some of that stuff. Play with the kids. Actually, get to play some Irish sports. I, uh, for those of you who didn't happen to know, I'm, I'm into the two traditional sports of Ireland. Have a club called Savannah GAA in which I participate, and I ended up getting a haircut, which wouldn't be completely unconsequential, except for those of y'all who who know me personally know that I tend to keep my hair quite long so it was a quite eventful weekend but enough about me and and let's talk more about you let's talk more about your business climate so there's a lot of uh, macroeconomic factors that we've covered on the the podcast and then we also get to talk about on this good morning market podcast the commensurate the requisite strategies that you as an everyday business leader can employ to grow uh, because of those factors or in spite of those factors and of course you know um, a lot of us are very concerned about the economy in general but i tell you one thing one strategy that is never not going to be important is understanding what kind of customer experience you're delivering so you can retain customers, okay? And it's it's well documented that uh, I believe it's something to the effect of if you just increase your customer retention by something like 5%, you can uh, just overwhelm, exponentially almost, increase your profitability, uh, both short-term and long-term. Customer retention um, is is so imperative. Um, we talk about it with labor force these days about how retention is just as important, if not more so, than recruitment. It's the same thing with customers. One in the hand is better than two in the bush, right? So part of what's so important in order to have good customer retention numbers to avoid customer retention is to be able to understand the customer experience. You know, what kind of experience you're delivering? And you can get very simple or very granular with this. There are some companies, think about the standards of the industry when it comes to customer service as a competitive differentiator. Some of your favorite companies who consistently, regardless of what location, deliver the best experiences. They, part of how they're able to do that um, is they measure every touch point. They have different uh, objective methods to be able to capture that. But there's also the more simple methods, right? So just a general customer satisfaction or, or loyalty. There's these different ways we want to capture, are we doing a great job by the customer? Does the customer perceive it to be as such? And do we have the customer's loyalty, right? Those are the indicators which will determine whether or not you get to keep customers and whether or not customers continue to give you more and more of their wallet share. So imperative to be able to measure that customer experience. Well, 
I've spoken on it some myself, uh, with that being one of my specialties, but we're bringing in someone from the outside today. Very excited about that. We have Matthew Selby from Oberon 3. They have a great um, digital product and solution to very quickly, efficiently, and accurately capture that customer voice through Opinionator. Uh, So I got to speak with Matt Selby coming from the other side of the country, way over there in Oregon. We had a great dialogue back and forth, so I'm excited to share that with y'all. But first, before we get into that, today's episode, let's quickly recap what happened in your business economy the past week. All right, so um, this week in Market Roundup, I got one quick, uh, almost a tongue-in-cheek kind of article for y'all on the, on the national side of the house, coming from CNBC headline, The size of the millennial generation is to blame for sky-high inflation, strategist says. A couple bullet points from that uh, interesting headline. The latest consumer price index data this week revealed a searing 9.1% increase year-over-year in June, prompting Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to say that inflation in the U.S. is, quote, unacceptably high. Well, yeah, I'd say that's pretty right on, uh, Miss Treasury Secretary. Uh, The causes behind the steep... Jumps include high energy prices, pandemic stimulus spending, and geopolitical crises. But one investor is blaming millennials. I went on to read the articles. Actually, I had to share it with y'all because uh, it was in my Apple News, and I thought it was funny because I myself happen to be a millennial. So just for the record, I'm apparently to blame for uh, the sky-high inflation. And this one strategist says because we have this population surge and there's so many millennials, there's just so many people, therefore there's so many people wanting things, therefore... um, that's the big part of the equation of too few or too many dollars following too few products. Well, I would disagree with the strategist in that, uh, well, if you have that many more millennials demanding things, presumably, if millennials are doing their job, literally, uh, you'd also have that many more millennials producing things. So the generational factor should be evened out. I, I would say that uh, I would agree with the great Milton Friedman who said that uh, inflation is a monetary phenomenon always and has effects are delayed. So I think that's what we're experiencing here. It's not the millennials fault, although I'm sure millennials, we, we deserve a good part of the blame for lots of different things. But anyways, that was a fun one. Now let's get to a more regional uh, news piece for the final uh, edition of this market roundup. Georgia Southern University comes out the economic monitor and they report quarterly on what's going on in the coastal empire region. Great reporting detailed in their newsletters that they send out um, once per quarter. So from that coastal empire economic monitor from Q1 2022 reports that growth in the Savannah metro economy moderated during the opening quarter of the year. Quote, the broadest indicators of economic activity, overall regional employment and electricity sales to residential, industrial, and commercial users continue to signal strength, end quote, stated Michael Toma, Ph.D., Georgia Southern's Fuller E. Calloway Professor of Economics. One more quote, after good performance in the fourth quarter, there was a mild pullback during the first quarter in tourism and port activity. In general, the regional economy maintained its forward momentum, but slowed its rate of acceleration. That is it for the Coastal Economic Monitor, at least the excerpt, and that is it for your Market Roundup. Ladies and gentlemen, I am really excited about bringing on this guest. Let's not delay it any further. Please help me give a warm good morning, Market. Welcome to Mr. Matthew Selby. 
Uh, just a quick overview. Matt Selby is a Brit, and you, if you can't tell once he uh, starts talking with that that dialect, he now lives in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Matt spent most of his career in the energy sector, but wanted to start a business that allowed businesses to increase their customer retention rates by allowing on-the-spot actionable feedback. Uh, the brainchild of that uh, uh, that brainchild resulted in Opinionator, which is the outcome, a digital comment card that enables point of experience. Uh, closed loop customer feedback via the cell phone. Matt, welcome to Good Morning Market. Well, Philip, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me, and I'm I'm looking forward to the conversation. Very good. And then you know what? I probably should have done this in uh, in in pre-recording like a good host. But let me get a couple things clear here for the audience. Number one, uh, your last name pronounced Selby. Did I get that right? You got it spot on. All right, and it's not opinionator. It's opiniator, correct? Again, Philip, you've 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 earned your stripes already. Your stock <laughs> has gone up in my estimation. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I I've sometimes I get it right. I'm glad that this time I did because we've got a really great guest on. So, um, you have a, a very interesting company. You really uh, hone your entire business is about a topic that I very much focus on. I think that frankly, um, companies both big, both big and small, but I really focus here on the small and mid sized enterprises. We, we really are not nearly where we need to be when it comes to uh, executing and really putting um, values, strategy, and measurement all on this uh, endeavor of delivering a, a great customer experience. I think that we're with where the economy is heading, Matt, that this is going to become even more important. So uh, I just want to say on the outset, I appreciate you joining. I'm, I'm very excited to see what kind of insights and your experience that you can bring related to this uh, discussion. Well, as I say, I'm looking forward to it. I think the 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 sun, the moon, and the stars have aligned right now, where people mm -hmm. can get this terribly badly wrong, mm -hmm. and if they get it terribly badly wrong, the brand consequences and the financial consequences are enormous. I don't think many companies do it right, mm -hmm. and I think once you get it wrong, it's very difficult to recover and put the toothpaste back in the tube. And I'm sure we'll explore some of those. Yes, I mean, if if uh, Benjamin Franklin was a 21st century uh, marketing and business expert, I think he would have said that a customer saved is a customer earned. So let's get right into it. Uh, speaking from your own experiences, when you look around, obviously, you know, as a, a marketing strategist, I notice really uh, things and advertisements that a lot of people wouldn't. Since your focus is so much on customer experience. When you, what's a brand that you think of when you're thinking that they have just awesome customer experience? What's one of your favorite brands to patronize because they're so good at that? Sure, I think I think there are probably two, um, and and I'll focus uh, more on on the second one. The, the the first one is is the Virgin Group. So. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, Richard Branson has many, many different brands which he plasters his name on, and and you know some would say that's a very risky thing, but I do think that he takes customer experience very, very seriously, and mm -hmm. as a result, most of those times, uh, I think the experience is based on. Um, uh, almost flawless service. But the one that I wanted to focus on with you, because I know Virgin tends to be a bit sort of Eurocentric, mm -hmm. um, would be um, Singapore Airlines. So Singapore Airlines, for, for me, is uh, about as good as it gets. So you think about what happens when you uh, take a plane. It starts when you book the ticket, 
and ends when you actually disembark. So you think of the complexity involved, the number of steps and the difference between the steps, and they nail it just about every time mm. from the way that stuff is booked, uh, the way the technology works, the way the interactions work. There's no embroidering. Um, there's no flowery language. There's no artificial uh, banter that you get in many U.S. banks, for example, where you're asked four times how your day's going. Yeah. This this uh, Singapore Airlines experience is very functional, very consistent across many, many different steps. And that's why I would elevate it as the number one brand that I've experienced mm -hmm. uh, as a traveler and a consumer. And it's also very predictable. So you yeah. know that day in, day out, wherever you happen to be, wherever you happen to get that plane, the experience is going to be as good as it was the last time. And I think it's so powerful that I would go out of my way to book a ticket with them relative to, and if I could afford to, the difference to another competitor. No, that's very important, especially I would guess in the line of travel where you're defying gravity and and spending a pretty penny to you know cross great distances that even down to the experience with the the travelers, the passengers, to have that kind of meticulous, um, consistent, reliable experience with the no-nonsense customer service, I'm sure can be very, very assuring and, and encourage a lot of loyalty. You can tell that uh, companies like that who can deliver that kind of a service consistently must be really focused on a term that we're going to be discussing a lot during the interview, which would be customer experience. So maybe you could help us with a couple different terms that get thrown around um, very colloquially uh, in the business world. How would you define the customer experience? And second part would be why is measuring and managing that customer experience important for any business? Sure. And and, and I agree with you. I think everyone uh, and their dog has a different opinion about this. The mm -hmm. way I think about um, customer experience, it's, it's more of an emotional, more of a visceral uh, reaction to a complete set of end-to-end -end processes that you as the customer um, participate in and receive. So mm -hmm. it is, um, it's, it's a bit like uh, Philip trying to define the word culture. Culture mm -hmm. can mean different things to different people. And some people break culture down into things like, um, you know, beliefs, rituals, ideology, myths, and things like that. And that's mm -hmm. one way of doing it. Other people define culture as just kind of the way things are done. And I think with customer experience, you tee up a very good question. But for me, it's much more, uh, the way I think about it, it's much more a visceral reaction to an emotional response to, mm -hmm. to a customer journey and we talked a little bit uh, just just now actually about singapore airlines so that experience is how i feel during and at the end of that process which ultimately leads to embarkation so i realize that for some folk that's not particularly definite i realize right. that that is if you can't define it how do you measure it and so i would just getting on to the second part of the mm -hmm. question it's really important to measure it but i would break it down into two measures one is customer satisfaction so okay. how does someone feel and able to rate that experience or parts of the experience or at the end of the experience and the second one is loyalty and loyalty is a uh, an outcome that's based upon 
I will repeat an action. In this particular case, it's mm -hmm. the act of buying. Mm -hmm. So experience is the visceral side. It's mm -hmm. the tough to understand. It's a bit like you know it when you see it. Right. Satisfaction is a point in time that says Philip Scroggin is satisfied with Singapore Airlines today. Mm -hmm. But customer loyalty says that Philip Scroggin is so satisfied on a continual basis, he now has an emotional connection and a financial connection that is rewarded to both parties because he's a repeat buyer. And and mm -hmm. and the, the satisfaction and the loyalty one, I often make the analogy of, of a financial statement. So uh, I'm sure you and your audience are you know, very clear on balance sheets and profit mm -hmm. and loss. So a balance sheet, as you know, is a snapshot of the business at a point in time. Um, we can have one at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, and that's customer satisfaction. At the beginning of the day, you could be satisfied. At the end of the day, you may not be satisfied, but you can ask for that measurement at two different points in time. Yes. The loyalty, I would say, is much more akin to a profit and loss account because that P&L is over a period of time. It's over mm -hmm. the course of a year. And that, for me, is where the loyalty element comes in. It's repeat purchase over the course of a period of time. So that's a parallel that I often use, and I hope that's reasonably clear to try mm -hmm. and say experience is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. It's hard to define, yes. but worth it. Um, but there are ways of measuring it so you can tease out whether that experience is predictable and is ultimately going to give you an ROI. Right. No, no, very good. And and I think that, you know, there's no way to make this elementary. It's, it's I, I kind of jokingly tell um, some of my clients and, and associates that, you know, marketing is complicated because people are complicated. There's a lot of nuance to this art that we're trying to turn into a science. And and so thank you for giving us, uh, give us an introduction to how, in terms in which to think of this, these different categories. And I, I very much concur that customer service, it, or customer experience rather, it, 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 it's so high level intuitive that it's hard to make finite in the way that we could have it on a nice little dashboard, for example. And so you have to break it down into more finite categories that can be tracked appropriately on different intervals. But that is kind of how we would, uh, like you said, you know, um, if you're going into a restaurant, you know, there's so many things that go into whether or not you would then say afterwards, that was a good uh, night out or not it, down to the way the food tastes to how long you had to wait to get sat to how the restaurant smells to how it looks the sounds th there's a lot of hard to codify uh, elements in there so but nevertheless like you said if you're not consistently delivering a great customer experience like a spirit airlines um, that's going to hamper your ability to keep customers and acquire new ones. So uh, having been able to discuss uh, at a high level, customer experience, customer satisfaction, customer loyalty, um, sitting in your shopper's hat as a customer, a consumer, a shopper, looking at the, the trends and practices in 2022, what do you see happening right now regarding um, a focus or lack thereof on customer experience? Sure. So I, I think uh, I, I'd, I'd love to say it's good news coming. Okay. But from where I sit, um, I think that 2022 could actually be the holy grail of, of bad things. It's almost the, hmm. the trifecta of factors that may lead people to have a calamitous year. So let me let, let me kind of unpack that a bit. I see a number of things happening. 
converging at the same time that could result in some fairly poor outcomes for businesses. The first is um, now that COVID is, is it's not over, but it, our freedom to go out and, and spend money and do all of these sorts of things has increased. So you have this pent up demand for consumers now to spend in a, you know, on and offline. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the first thing, big surge in demand. The second thing is high inflation right now means that even though people want to go out, they are choosy. They are now yes. going to be dollar conscious with what they spend that discretionary cash on, which means that they're not just going to throw money out. They're going to be wise shoppers. And right. The third thing is that we have certainly in this part of the world, in the Pacific Northwest, and clearly nationally, you know what the statistics are. Mm -hmm. We have this uh, low unemployment rate, but huge high staff shortages because staff are moving. Well, there's a number of, there's a variety of reasons, but staff seem to be moving from job to job to job. And so we yeah. know that if you go into a restaurant now, it is likely that your service time is going to be delayed. It's going to be a little bit elongated. And certainly just anecdotally, some of the restaurants up here are putting out signage to say, we're really sorry, but it's going to be another 20 minutes. And I, I think that's one way of doing it. So you've got this, this marriage of three um, fairly damning factors where there will be a pressure brought on by these three factors that could lead to a decline in customer service fairly significantly and therefore the experience goes out of the window and when you add to that what i see as really poorly thought out ways of being able to measure just going back to your last point measure that customer experience um, even if the business despite those three things attempt to find out more about what's going on. Are the people satisfied? Is the experience good? Mm -hmm. I see far too little effort made at really delving in and asking the right questions. And you mentioned, yes. Philip, about unpacking the experience to measurements. So let me give mm -hmm. you an example. Um, you might have on a, a manager may come around and say, hey, how was the service? Or a manager may put a comment card on the table. Now. Uh, let's have a let's have a, a, a debate. What does service mean? Does mm -hmm. service mean I was served within ten minutes or twenty minutes? Does service mean the waiter uh, answered all of my questions? Does the service mean that everything was brought on time? What does service mean? Mm -hmm. So we asked. We just had a little bit of a chat about what does uh, customer experience mean, but mm -hmm. even the terms that might help define that need to be very, very well nailed down. Otherwise, you're going to get misleading results. So right. back to the back to the top question. I think that you've got this structural, uh, a series of structural problems that, if they're not sorted out, uh, I think could lead to a very bad year for some businesses in mm -hmm. terms of customer experience. Bad customer experience, as you know, leads to high defection rates. Well, let me let me uh, put a bow on that just to recap what I think I heard you saying is you talked about a lot of macroeconomic forces, the 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 transition out of more of the health side of the COVID pandemic. Now we're dealing with part of the fallout, which, like you said, is pent up red hot demand. Nevertheless, um, but because you said inflation and, you know, the stats bear out that people are actually uh, to having net. Uh, income losses if you look at their raises versus the consumer price index and increase in pricing. So you have 
discerning consumers because they must be with uh, wanting to spend money at different places. But because of the staff shortages, it's becoming increasingly easy for you to, uh, you know, throw up a dud when it comes to delivering a certain standard of service. And so it sounds like there's lots of opportunities for businesses of every size to drop the ball on expectations, partially because of those macroeconomic forces, but also partially because they may not be doing the proactive hard work of setting proper expectations in, in the best way possible in order to mitigate against some of those limitations outside of their control. I think I think that's very fair. And I think expectation management in an uncertain environment is going to reap enormous rewards because at the very least you're trying to forewarn someone of um, this is where we're at. We're going to try our hardest. Um, uh, we, you're going to have a great time, but by the way, you may have to wait an additional 10 minutes. Now, that's not a get out of jail free pass. Right. That's right. just one of those steps that you might take in order to dilute some of the risk that you're facing. But I mean, Philip, let, you know, let's let's look at it from the other side. It means that if you get this right, you're going to outperform just about everybody else because what yes. we still see is that there are sky-high defection rates. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's going to get worse because of these some of these factors that we spoke about. But it does say there's a big opportunity on the table. No, absolutely. And I, I think that, like you said, there, there are some companies who will use it as an easy excuse and say, hey, this is the new norm. We're all dealing with the trouble, so you got to deal with it too. But then there's those companies who try to work a little smarter, and if their retention rates on staff are a little bit better and they do a little bit better job of consistently uh, delivering a certain standard of service to try to get back to what most of us consumers are still wanting to work towards, um, they are going to reap a whirlwind of benefits. So that said, in terms of some of the state of play on customer ex experience at a high level. Um, let's transition now and dive into how everyday businesses are understanding customer experience and how they should be managing the customer experience. So um, I'd love to give you a good news, bad news story. And being the Brit and the optimist, um, I should, but I can't. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be the 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 I'm going to be the person who says that the jar is uh, definitely half empty, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll explain why. So here's here's the good news, and then I'll dampen your enthusiasm with some bad news. The good yeah. news is that 95% of all U.S. businesses collect customer feedback at which point philip you might be uh, breaking open the champagne and saying uh you know love is good mm -hmm. the bad news is only 10 percent of those businesses actually ever do anything with it so mm. businesses are investing a colossal amount of time and energy and resource collecting feedback that they don't do anything with and i think there's various reasons for this it's hard it's costly uh, but I, unfortunately, I think there's a bit of a blind leading the blind here as well. So mm -hmm. the, the first thing is, is that um, if you're going to do customer feedback in order to understand the experience, commit mm -hmm. to doing it properly. Mm 
Okay. The second thing that I see, and again, I have to say it's a little bit of bad news, is the tools, technologies, and techniques that are being used, I think, are in some ways Dickensian. Things like physical paper-based comment card systems. Yeah. Um, and then the misuse of technology. So we know that a huge percentage of smaller businesses particularly think that monitoring social media Twitter, Facebook, TripAdvisor is mm -hmm. the right thing to do and somehow means that they have their finger on the pulse of the customer experience. Yeah. Um, both of those are just flawed, are fatally flawed. Yes. Um, we think that if one, if you're going to do it, do it well. Mm -hmm. uh, two, if you do it, have an opportunity to take action immediately whilst the customer is still there. Mm -hmm. And three, make sure if you do take action, that you commit to following it through so that every negative experience that you hear from the customer results in an action that's documented in order to correct it. Yeah. So, I mean, we can, we can go back to some of these. So social media is a wonderful thing in many, many ways. It's the most appalling tool any business out there can use in order to think that it has some semblance of an idea of understanding customer experience because it is, and I'll throw up a few examples. One, it is too little, too late. What's mm -hmm. the point, Philip, of if I were a restaurant owner of reading a Twitter comment the next day mm -hmm. when I have no opportunity to correct it in real time? Yes. Uh, huge problem. The second thing is that Twitter is not a representative sample. So you and no. your marketing team uh, will know that, that, that you should really try and get a representative sample if you think that that's going to be some help in understanding customer experience. Twitter is not. Twitter is heavily biased at uh, both ends. They're either going to love you yeah. or they're the type of people that are going to hate you. As my grandmother would say, they could find a bone in a boiled egg. I mean, they're just going right. to find something that's wrong. The, the, so, I mean, I think that it's fair to say that um, not just Twitter uh, and in the circles in which it's most influential, but also Facebook and all the popular ones, is there, is, it's their great echo chambers and cults of personality. Not to say that there's nothing to it, but um if it's your primary way of making conclusions about the customer experience as a business and your primary vehicle for that is uh social media regardless of the channel uh, yeah i would i would say that you're you're ripe for a lot of surprises when you see how the actual customers um are experiencing things because it's just so skewed uh, by Correct. its very nature correct and and you know you've also set yourself up for failure in the sense that you've allowed yourself a group of folk to to deliver feedback with an almost inbuilt expectation that the business now has to react to those people. So uh, you, you've set yourself up for a customer service nightmare. So that's, that's one thing I think uh, social media has a place, but not as a place, not as a place to understand the spectrum of experience. Uh, on the well, other the fortune hand, size, uh, fortune size businesses must have never gotten your memo because it seems like <laughs> even the biggest companies on planet Earth are very, very concerned with what uh, Twitter users have to say. Yeah, and I mean, what can I say? I'd love to say I have enormous <laughs> influence with with the with the great and the good, uh, but I would probably be extending my brand a little bit too far. Um, no, and to to your point, I wanted to uh, make sure we kind of just captured you you you've covered a lot about what people are doing and what they ought to be doing. Just uh, in terms of the small and mid sized businesses, 
Um, do you see that social media is the main vehicle through through which they're getting their conclusions, uh, conclusions about the con uh, the customer experience that they're delivering, or is there something else that they're really leaning on as well? I actually I actually see three. And again, Philip, I'm going to sound like the four horsemen of the apocalypse here, but none of what I'm going to say is going to be particularly um, positive. So mm -hmm. we see three things being used. One is social media, which we've we've spoken out, and generally I think they've been sold a bill of goods that that they shouldn't be sold. Yeah. The second thing is that they have, they still run on the view that a face-to-face -face request for feedback, that is mano y mano, mm -hmm. uh, is going to elicit the holy grail of customer experience understanding. So, for example, if you and your wife were at a restaurant and I were the server and I come over and say, um, hi, Philip, uh, how's it all going? Uh, you're not, I repeat, you are not going to say, well, the peas are cold, there's a fly in my soup, mm -hmm. and by the way, uh, you know, can you turn down the music? You're mm -hmm. absolutely not going to do that. And the data bears this out. So 95% of all U.S. adults will not have a face-to-face -face confrontation about service, will not. Now, right. when you've given speeches or I've given speeches and you ask the question of the audience, hands up, who confronts the business if they have a bad experience? Almost all hands go up, mm -hmm. which is a little odd because the data doesn't back it up. Right. So that's the second flawed mechanism, the idea that somehow because you ask, you think you have your finger on the pulse. And the third one mm -hmm. is the use of Dickensian, Byzantine, you know, technologies that aren't technologies at all, but about, you know, paper-based comment cards that somehow businesses think that they are going to get an accurate view. And particularly, Philip, when I see comment cards that are basically all narrative, they're basically all open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how was the service? You know, mm -hmm. tell me the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's as useless as that. Right. Um, and, you know, you and I have just had a little bit of a chat about how to define service. Well, mm -hmm. now you're asking someone multiple open-ended questions um, where they're using their own vocabulary to be able to describe something and you're supposed to take action on it. So we see these three very, very useless methods mm -hmm. that I think most businesses view as activity, but mm -hmm. that activity doesn't lead to an outcome that's going to improve customer experience. Well, let me ask you a chicken or the egg question, because you said uh, previously that 95% of businesses are uh, collecting some sort of Correct. customer feedback. However, very few of them are using it. Chicken or the egg? Is it because that they've become aware that their data is extremely skewed, or did they decide before they even did or didn't realize that their data isn't very accurate, that they just were going to collect it, but not actually go through with following the data. So I, I, th I think you ask a good question and I don't have a very, I certainly don't have a numeric response. I don't have a, mm -hmm. an objective way of being yeah. able to answer that. Maybe your instinctual view. Yeah. What I can say is that when we've asked people about, well, why do you do this? Why do you use social media? Why do you ask everybody? And why do you mm -hmm. use things like comment cards or even mystery shopping, which I think should be, condemned to the graveyard of bad ideas. Um, um, why do you do this? A lot of it is because of what you say, which is, well, we've always done something like this. All right. Mm -hmm. So there's almost a built-in inertia to a process that is more difficult to stop, even though it delivers you know, fairly marginal value. So that's, that's one reason. The second okay. reason is, um, well, we like reading the comments. That's another one we get. So mm -hmm. 
as though we get comments from somehow there's going to be a eureka moment that says, well, we now know what we're going to do. I think that's the second one. The third one is that they do, as you've just said in your in, in one of your theories, was they do see feedback coming in and therefore they subscribe to the school of, well, if we've got feedback coming in, it must be useful. Mm -hmm. So there's a series of, of uh, there's almost a, a series of a, an accrual of poor assumptions that lead to the maintenance of some of this stuff going on is is what we see. Well, what are some of the what are some of the top line if a if a listener is listening to what you're saying and they're like, well, uh, that you're kind of describing me. Um, what is some of the fruit of that approach to business? What are some of the symptoms that they'll be experiencing if they're taking that approach or using those methods to collect customer feedback and get their conclusions? Well, their conclusions are going to be wrong. I think mean, that's mm -hmm. going to be the that's going to be the bottom line. Mm -hmm. um, the I think the first thing that I would say to anyone if they were listening to this or we were having a conversation is, what do you do with the feedback? Mm -hmm. So don't tell me what the feedback is. Don't we can get into that in a minute. But what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. And I try to tie that statement or that question with the very first statistic that I gave you, which is only 10% of businesses actually do anything with it. Yeah. So it's not so much it's what do you do? That's that's the, that, that's the second bit. It's what do you do with it? Because if you yeah. don't do anything with it, then you, I hope you would, you know, the lights would come on and you would say, well, why are we still doing it? Yes. Um, if you can say, well, what we'd like to do with it is X, then that's then that's a great answer because then you can say ah well in order to do that you need to try and measure x y z and this is maybe some of the ways you can do that the other thing that we see is that a lot of folk uh, smaller medium-sized businesses have been i think bamboozled with with complicated almost enterprise feedback methods Mm -hmm. where they feel as though they have to measure every part in the customer journey, mm -hmm. um, the end result of which is a colossal quantity of data with no easy way of teasing out what's relevant and what isn't. And so mm -hmm. you, you ask the good question about, well, what, what should they might, you know, what might they think of? And we always say, start with the basics. Start with something really simple. Start okay. by measuring three things and then go on to measuring four things and then five things but start really simply and clarify what you want to find out what you want to do with it mm -hmm. and have a process in place where you can commit to that rather than try and boil the ocean yeah i was going to ask you about that is because yeah yeah there is this kind of trickle down effect where the thought leaders often come from the fortune size area and then it comes down to Small businesses, for example, who have a fraction of the resources, a fraction of the data, the databases, but they're then told like, hey, here's 15 KPIs related to customer experience you should be tracking and you should measure from soup to nuts uh, ever from, you know, when they first heard of your company and their first, first phone call to their 20th order as one of your VIPs. And so, like you said, yeah, boiling the ocean is just not going to be pragmatic for most of us, especially since to most of this interview, most of us are doing it wrong um, as is. So uh, when it comes to what data on customer experience, experience should be tracked, what are those top two, three, maybe four KPIs that you think it, most any business should want to keep track of in action accordingly? Sure. So uh, let me let me break this down a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So as you know, any business, even you know, restaurants, dentists, car dealerships, whatever it happens to be, uh, there's a process involved and a customer journey. And you've 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 articulated you could measure every element of that customer journey. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a good thing to start off with. What mm-hmm. we recommend to start off with is asking one question with probably two supplementals. So the question to ask is, would you recommend us? would you recommend us to a family or friend? Now, this is not the same as the Net Promoter Score, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which we yes. dislike, but okay. we can get into that into a minute, but is would yep. you recommend us? And mm-hmm. we usually recommend a five-point scale, one through five. Okay. Don't do a 10-point scale because that's too complicated. A three-point doesn't give you enough gray, and a mm-hmm. yes or no is is a ludicrous answer to, mm-hmm. to, to have a binary answer. So mm-hmm. we recommend a five-point scale so you can have a little bit of variation. If the answer is a four or a five, you say, hey, thank you very much. Is there anything that's missing from the offer that you would like us to include? So that's a pretty good one because it's saying what you're doing is good, but by the way, this is missing. So great, you could include right. it. You're go, are, going from good to great. So like you want exactly yeah, how can exactly. we go next level? Right. Correct. So, and that's and that's kind of the Jim Collins thing. Mm-hmm. How do you do the basics well and then really expand on that? Mm-hmm. This, the, if they, however, scored uh, uh, a three or below, clearly mm-hmm. something is not right. Mm-hmm. Then you follow it up with an other open ended, which is, hey, I'm sorry to hear about that. So you acknowledge that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing that we need to fix in order to move you from a three to a four or a five? So, mm-hmm. and let me just break down the rationale. So again, mm-hmm. it's an it's an objective measurement based upon a rating scale. That rating scale allows you to ask follow-up questions that are specific to the first. And yes. if it's negative, you ask what is the one thing. You don't ask for a laundry list of everything that's wrong. You ask for the one thing. So now you've got something you as a business can focus on. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that the response to that, it might be a little flowery. It's mm-hmm. going to be in the words of that person. Yes. But it's better to start that way and narrow it in. So those yeah. are the that's the very basic we would recommend and then build up into things like if queuing is important for you, then how do we fix the queuing? So we, we, we start off with something like that. And then typically, once the business identified what's really important for them, you ask two questions about the same attribute. So let me give you an example. And some people call this vulnerability analysis. Some people call it key driver analysis. But the two questions are, how important is cleanliness to you when selecting a restaurant? And I'll just keep this in the restaurant sphere. Mm -hmm. The second question is, how well did we execute on cleanliness today? So the first question is its importance. And the second question is its rating. And you can imagine when you have enough of those attributes on a two-by-two matrix, Mm -hmm. you can then determine what are you good at but is irrelevant, what are you good at that matters, and the worst worst outcome, which we see see unfortunately quite often, is um, what do the customers want Mm -hmm. and what are you performing most poorly on? 
Um, right. And that's a very interesting exercise because then, of course, each attribute is not equivalent. So you can, you're this, basically doing a weighted scale, right? Which is correct. what, yeah, correct. that's what people really want to want to see both in terms of the way we think as a shopper and also the way the businesses wants to track a thing because they know not all the variables are equal, but most of us don't have the know-how to really get that from the uh, the, the customer. Yeah, you're right, and and these things, Philip, then they're, they're they're not a they're not a, a sprint. It's definitely a marathon. And mm -hmm. you asked again, what do we see where which where companies are just not executing well? And one of the key things that we see often is some feedback form or a customer survey. Uh, that reads like war and peace. It's as though every question yeah. from every department has, it, it, or the boss has said, hey, find out about something. Yeah. So one tip that we found is if I'm going to ask you and your family about an experience, whatever that experience is, um, make sure that that feedback can be completed in under two minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so what we found is that out of home, so this is offline, this is not online surveys, this is mm -hmm. out of home feedback, whether you have your teeth being pulled out or your car being serviced, needs to be completed in under two minutes. Mm -hmm. Once two minutes is up, the response rate drops off enormously. It's yeah. as though there's an attention span from a consumer that says, okay, I'm going to give you two minutes of my time, particularly if you say that up front. You mm -hmm. say, hey, by the way, we'd like to find out, you know, and it's going to take about. Once that two minutes is up, they're saying, hey, the contract was, I'm going to give you two minutes of my time. Mm -hmm. uh, and thereafter, it's it's it, it just goes away. So yep. really keep it simple. Yes. Ask a few questions to start off with. Take action on everything and then build up the sophistication so that you know what to focus on. No, that's beautiful. So I... I Part of my takeaway listening um, with the rest of our listeners is that don't boil the ocean. Have some very, very essential questions that you ask, especially in, in go back into the episode, ladies and gentlemen, listen to the way he phrased about would you recommend us? Don't make it a binary choice, but also don't give them 10 options and then have those follow-ups baked in so you can make it simple and, and repeatable and executable. Um, both in terms of how you would actually get the insights and then also how something that's that you can really focus on and action on and then you can create an operation mechanism to respond to capturing that silent majority that so often doesn't get tracked because we're too busy with our little pockets and social media or or even tracking reviews or when the you come up and ask the customer person and obviously they're going to be very hesitant to give you anything negative in person so i uh, want a couple uh, touch on a couple other items before we conclude the interview i know we're running up on time i did however have to ask you because the conventional wisdom from most of the blogs we're reading out here um and i know some of us aren't big into the research geekery of net promoter scores most of us maybe have never heard of that but a net promoter score is a very very popular question to ask in these types of uh, the surveys where you basically a 10 point scale, usually you'll see it phrased as, um, uh, what, you know, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend or colleague? There is a one through 10 scale. You got to pick one. And then there's all these different scientific conclusions, so to speak, that marketers will say that they can draw depending on, on, on how you score them. So quickly, what's your, what's your beef with the NPS and maybe a substitute if, if so. 
Well, how long have you got, Philip? How long have you got, man? <laughs> I'm going to have so, to make you do the snapshot answer. <laughs> so our experience of it. So I have, I have a number of major beefs with it. Um, the first thing, just to, just to say, I think its intention is very good. I think okay. the intention of being able to somehow predict uh, the likelihood of behavior, I, uh, mm -hmm. in this case, to recommend, I think is good. I just think the mm -hmm. way that it's done is bad mm -hmm. for out-of-home feedback. Again, out-of-home means at the zoo, when you're having your teeth pulled, at the doctors mm -hmm. and so on. The first thing is people read that question very literally. How likely are you to recommend? Philip might say, well, I never recommend anything to anyone. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how good the service is. I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So they take the representation of the question as a binary, will you or won't you? And the answer is no. So that's that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the rating scale itself of zero through 10. Yeah. We know that when you give a rating that has so many choices, some people get bamboozled mm -hmm. and the behavior will be to skew to some average. Mm -hmm. um, we absolutely avoid that. Um, with our recommendations, we have a maximum of five. That's enough gray area. When you say 10, people are going to say, well, what's really the difference between a three and a four on a 10-point scale? Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. So I, I, you're going to get a lot of false positives or confusion as to the, as to the term. I think mm -hmm. the, the third one is how likely are you to recommend this to a friend or family? It's very, it's, it's, I, I think it's a very difficult one to say, how likely are you to recommend? I, you, you're asking me to predict some future behavior on my part mm -hmm. with some specific language about a business. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I don't know what the names of my three children are. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I had for breakfast. So now yeah, you're asking yeah. me to somehow predict what I'm going to do in the future. I think mm -hmm. that's very difficult. So mm -hmm. what we do, in, and just going back to what I said earlier, keep it simple and keeping mm -hmm. it under two minutes is, would you recommend? Would you recommend? Yes, I would recommend. No, I wouldn't recommend. I would likely recommend, and you have it in a five-point scale. So you you boil it down to something that is uh, much easier to manage, much easier to consume, with the scores being easier to understand. Okay, understood, understood. So you've been mentioning throughout the the interview occasionally the way that y'all do things, and and uh, for the guests, and we'll we'll make sure to have uh, ways for them to go do their own self uh, research. A pinnigator um, is a unique type of uh, feedback vehicle, as an on location digital comment card. And, and in this conversation, we've been touching on so many different ways that companies may or may not try to collect feedback. One-on-one -on -one conversations with the manager, uh, lengthy survey, pay, uh, physical printed paper comment cards, social media, Google rating sites. So there's a the, the bajillion ways to do it. What is the unique value for a business owner in using digital comment cards compared to some of those other methods? I, I think I, 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 I'm not a huge believer in saying that we're unique in any one idea. I'd actually, I'm not a huge a fan of, of, of unique selling propositions. I think businesses okay. tend to win because they have a basket of things that they do marginally better than the next best person. Mm -hmm. But in our particular case, so we have a, a, a basket of three things that are advantageous relative to some other forms of feedback. Mm -hmm. The first is that we enable feedback on the customer's terms. So uh, we allow them to give feedback on any cell phone mm -hmm. um, without an app in any language or any one of four different languages. 
Um, and they can use four different methods. So if they're more elderly, they'll probably phone. If they're mm -hmm. younger, they'll use text. And mm -hmm. if they're in between, they might use uh, some web-enabled piece like a QR code. So it's yeah. really important to request feedback on their terms. You don't belt them with an email that mm -hmm. they don't want. They, you don't belt them with some near-field communication device. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the feedback that we deliver is in real time at the point of experience or point of consumption. We ask for feedback and receive it when you're receiving the uh, the service, when you are experiencing the brand. There's no point asking you afterwards when your memory has faded and rather like me, you forget what you had for breakfast. Mm -hmm. You want to ask it there and then because you're more likely to give me an accurate answer there and then, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm -hmm. And coupled with that is because it's on the spot, we do the analytics and the alerts also in real time. So if Philip is unhappy with the car maintenance, the business will be alerted whilst Philip is still there. That doesn't mean the business has agreed with Philip that he will be contacted, but they will know that a customer is unhappy with something on the spot. So at the very least, they can fix it before it affects the next person. So that's right. the second attribute. And then the third one is to, to try and close out this rather damning statistic about 10% of businesses only do anything with it. Um, our tool allows the business to document and actually forces the business to document actions it takes when negative feedback is presented, which means that if you were a business owner and had multiple locations, you now have a mechanism of, frankly, spying on and enforcing accountability by local management to take care of an issue. So those yeah. are the three things that in combination make us unique. Um, but uh, I'm sure there are others, but I think those are the big three. Yeah, so let me make sure I was uh, listening uh, properly. Is number one, you make it as convenient and uh, as uh, versatile as possible so the customer can leave uh, feedback and and their preferred method number two that because and I, I can see a lot of different industries in which um this would be uniquely beneficial the you capture the feedback while they're they're there not only so you can get kind of the you can capture the emotion the emotional response we talked about that at the beginning of the interview but also then they're most they have their memory as as, as as best right there but also then because it's whilst they're still present then it op opens up the opportunity for remediation potentially um and then like you said finally you you built in the mechanisms to where it makes it more difficult for it to be just another dashboard or another score that sits on some web page you you bake in the system to almost systematize it to where it can become part of the management's um uh, operation to where it's it, it it can become part of that just standard of operation rather than some dashboard or alert somewhere Correct, correct. I mean, as, as, as you know, and I think we discussed this earlier, there is no point in collecting feedback unless you do anything with it. I think it's insulting to uh, all people involved, least of which of which is the consumer. If you're asking me to commit certain resources, 
then for God's sake, you need to do something about it. Um, so, for example, in your own state of, of, of Georgia, one of the folk that we work with is actually a government agency. It's the Department of Transportation who mm -hmm. run your freeway rest areas. Mm -hmm. And so if you drive along in Savannah or anywhere else and you stop in at a rest area, you can give feedback using our tool on that experience at the rest area. Were the restrooms clean? Does the vending machine work? Did you see anything unsafe? The feedback part of that is actually the easy bit. Collecting feedback is easy. The okay. bit that has delivered the most value is allowing the state to know that if Philip has detected something that he's unhappy with, that something will be done about it mm -hmm. because they have a mechanism to do that. And in fact, it's enforced. So for you as a, as a resident of the state of Georgia, mm -hmm. just be aware that there is a mechanism that's employed by government agency who realize the value of feedback as well, even though, ironically, they have a monopoly. I mean, nobody else runs rest areas in the state of Georgia. True, true. No, this is uh, no, that's a that's quite a way to bring it home, especially for those of you who may be listening to this episode on the road. Know that uh, if you make a pit stop at one of the travel centers, you may actually engage with a digital comment card by uh, by Opinionator. So uh, that said, Matt, uh, great material, and I know that kind of what I'm wrapping home is that number one, a company has to determine that they want to deliver a certain standard of excellence in their customer service. They want to, as part of, this is not something that a piece of software or tool can fix. It has to go inside out in terms of, it's part of one of your core values to deliver a certain standard uh, of excellence. And then like you said, the, the in terms of the macroeconomic factors, is ripe for a whirlwind of of disappointed customers because of all the different factors. The question for us is: Are we going to be the type of businesses who aren't just going to, you know, uh, blame it on external factors? We're going to make it a point to deliver uh, excellence uh, in in whatever standard we choose, and then these best practices and these tools and vehicles can supplement that so long as we actually use it. So, um, Matt, thank you so much for joining Good Morning Market. I know that this was certainly uh, in, insightful for me and makes me want to do more digging uh, on a variety of topics. So if people are hearing this and they're like, hey, I need to go figure out, you know, this uh, digital comment card, you know, maybe this would be something that would be a great fit for my business. How can people connect and get in touch with, with you and your team? Sure. Well, um, the, the first thing is just go to the website. So that's opiniator.com. And on there, you're going to see one of the things you'll see is we have a, a three or four a short uh, explainer videos of what mm -hmm. the technology does and what it solves, particularly around defection. So that would be the first place to go. Uh, the second thing is to, uh, to get hold of us. Um, so info at uh, Oberon3 or info at opiniator.com. Oberon3 is the name of the company. Opiniator is the technology. Okay. Um, and uh, we can uh, schedule a, a short discussion, uh, WebEx, and we generally start off with a, what are you doing right now? Uh, what's working for you? What isn't working for you? And what are you trying to solve? Um, uh, so th those are the places that we've go to. We're not big on social media. It's more on uh, going to the website and then uh, let's have a conversation about that. But hey, Philip, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the reactions from this and future episodes devoted to feedback, retention, and the importance of monitoring those and not just spending money blithely on kind of acquisition marketing.
Absolutely. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, I think that that's the conversations that's going to be facing us, whether we want it to or not, seeing how where the economy is going. So once again, thanks to uh, Matt from uh, his, his tool, Opinionator. Looking forward to all the follow-up. And I'll, once again, for everybody listening, put all of the contact information and links described by Matt in the show notes. Thanks again, Matt, and have a great day. Thanks. Bye now. a lot of fun i it's uh, cool to have my first british gentleman um on the program but hey matt just brought some great substance so it was cool to be able to talk with someone from the other side of the country but the sh- straight up story is is um they have a, a a local georgia presence to those of us who are uh, the majority of my audience and moreover he just knows his stuff. So once again, as we're going through our year, we're about the halfway mark of 2022, we need to be looking, regardless of which way the economy goes, on how we can be better measuring the customer experience so we can have better customer retention. Um, Opinionator, once again, you can check out all the links to learn more about Opinionator in the show notes. Um, you know, there's a lot to digest. Just remember, as always, um, with this digital uh, marketing landscape changing, the economy changing, this the challenges changing, you always need to be able to identify, attract, and retain ideal customers so your business can be super focused and positioned on your specific types of customers so you can win niches, so you can establish yourself in the market, so you can have an effective and efficient marketing program, which does that. That way you can maintain profitability regardless of whether or not the overall economy is doing great or it's doing sour. So you can go to soulinsights.com. Once again, soulinsights.com to get more information about how you can uh, have a resource to help you identify, attract, retain idle customers. Please like, share, subscribe, and share the Good Morning Market Pod with, uh, with friends, colleagues that you think would enjoy it. Appreciate y'all joining us. Uh, today. And remember, in order to lead your market, you must first hear and know your market.